The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the production, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. So welcome back to another episode of the Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. If you're tuning into this podcast on a regular basis, you know that we've been getting reports from Mexico and South America on how the harvest and exports are going. Many of you have reached out to me with positive feedback about how important it is to understand what's happening with blueberries around the world. And also, we did a preview of Peru back in our episode six of this podcast. But today, we're going to explore another major player in the global blueberry trade, Chile. You'll also recognize the voice of our guest today, Andres Armstrong. He's the executive director of the Chilean Blueberry Committee. Andres has a deep understanding of his business in his country and this industry and has been a regular contributor to our crop report. So I am excited to have Andres with us. Welcome, Andres. Thank you. Thank you, Casey, for the invitation. I'm really excited to participate in this uh, podcast that is become a must in the industry. So uh, I know that uh, this is going to get to uh, a lot of people, not only in the U.S., but around the world. So thank you very much for having me today. Well, it has been uh, a fun opportunity to get together with you and others on this show to kind of talk about this crazy business that we're in. But I thought, you know, it's always good to kind of find out, you know, who are the people behind some of these organizations or companies. And, you know, Andres, you've been a big part of the growth of the organization, your organization and our organization over the years. So I thought maybe people could kind of get to know you a little bit better, maybe share a little bit about your background and, and how you became a part of this business. Well, uh, to tell you the truth, when, when I got to work with blueberries, we were forming the Chilean Blueberry Committee down here in Chile. And at that point, I guess I had never tried a blueberry before in my life. So I was really new to the industry. Um, before that, uh, I lived in Brazil for some years, working for a Chilean company in the wood-based uh, panels industry. So I had an experience abroad and coming back to Chile, I started working with blueberries. And this was like 12 years ago. So one of my first uh, trips was actually to a USHBC meeting down there in Washington 10 years ago when I hardly knew nothing about blueberries. And all of a sudden I was sitting with all these experts in the US market. That was tough, but uh, I, I started to learn. I started to know the people there, and it's always been a pleasure to work together with our friends down in, in the U.S. You know, it makes me feel a little bit better knowing uh, my background of having at least had a blueberry before I arrived on the scene over here, but you have certainly been a help to me understanding this business. And uh, yeah, and interesting too that it sounded like you came out of the timber industry there in Brazil which I have a little bit of a timber background. So we'll have to talk more about that. But we really appreciate you know you coming on the show, certainly your support and leadership over the years on the USHBC Council. As you know, we've been the organization on the NBC side that has historically been responsible for providing crop reports, right? The domestic crop report. But with the launch of this podcast, it just only made sense to keep the crop reporting continuing, not just in the podcast, but working with you and and Luis and, and Jose Luis on, on every week, all year long basis. 
So this has been new for us at USHBC, but you've been crop reporting for Chile for some time. And I'm a little jealous about the success you've had with uh, billing able to keep account in such a specific way. And it's something that we're working, I think, towards doing a better job over on the USHBC and the NABC side, always trying to do better. But you know, maybe you can share with the audience a little bit about how Chile organizes your crop reporting. To begin with, uh, the chances that you had 12 years ago to eat a Chilean blueberries in the U.S. was much higher than the ones, uh, the chances that I had in Chile to eat a blueberry uh, grown in Chile. Today we have a um, domestic market that is growing. You can find blueberries in the shelves here, but uh, 12 or 10, 10 years ago, uh, you could hardly find blueberries in the supermarkets over here. So you had much more chances than me of eating a blueberry from Chile in the U.S. than myself down here in Chile. When we started working with the, with the committee, we made a study trying to understand which were the biggest barriers to sell more blueberries in the U.S. The single most important factor that people, the importers and retailers in the U.S. told us that they needed to sell more was to have more certainty on when our fruit was peaking in the U.S. When, when was that peak uh, beginning? Because... Uh, there was a, a space between the crop in the U.S., which is counter-season to us, and there was a, some weeks of the year that was uh, not a lot of supply or even very little. And then came Chile. So they were not aware when the crop was coming in. So they needed more precise information on the timing of the crop. And this is how our crop report began 12 years ago. And uh, when we began, there were less companies, so we... We worked together with the companies to put up a, a weekly forecast for the season. Um, and as the industry grew, we started working with the plantings and age of the plantings and varieties. And we started doing uh, more uh, work on uh, agronomics and trends. And uh, this is how we're doing that now today in terms of uh, projections and forecasts. And then we're following up our the weather on one side to see how the harvesting is really doing. And then we have an advantage is the fact that we do export most of our crops. So everything that is being shipped is being uh, recorded in our custom system. So it's very easy to track which week the fruit was shipped and to where. So uh, we are able to, to have very precise information on the volumes that we ship weekly and to which market. So that was the beginning, and that's the way it's been. We've been doing that for some years now. Now that we have the podcast, this is like an, an exciting new way of um, informing our how our crop is going. And it has been uh, helpful because I think it's caught the attention of people who you know may not be picking up your reports, or I don't know that folks really appreciated how precise. You know, Chile and Peru can be with what is coming into the United States. And the podcast certainly has helped with that and certainly appreciated your willingness to keep pushing the information forward. You know, let's come back to uh, this conversation and more thoughts on where you think the industry's headed. But let's take a quick break for our crop report. During this time of year, we get reports coming in from all these regions like Mexico and Peru and, of course, Andres and Chile. So here, once again, is your blueberry crop report. It's time now for the Blueberry Crop Report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry areas around the globe. Today you'll hear from our featured guest, Andres Armstrong in Chile, as well as Juan Soria Morales in Mexico. This was recorded on November 18, 2020. 
This is Andres Armstrong from the Chilean Blueberry Committee with the Chilean Crop Report on Week 46. The season continues with predominant volumes from the northern regions with a good advance of the harvest and where the peak of this part of the country is already over. In the central regions, the advance is slower given the moderate temperatures observed in the recent weeks. Harvesting in this zone is timidly starting, mainly with orchards and the tunnel while open fields are already beginning, although with a slow progress. The total accumulated exports up to week 45 is 6.1 million pounds. This is 15% more than the previous season at the same week. Organic blueberry accounts for 55% of the export shipments so far, with 3.4 million pounds, which are mainly destined to the U.S. market. Up to week 45, Chile has shipped only 2.5% of the forecasted volume for the season. This is our report at this time of the, of the year. Thank you for the opportunity. My name is uh, Juan Soria Morales. I'm a coordinator of phytosanitary issues for Anneberries. And here is the report about uh, blueberries for uh, Mexico on week 45 and 46. In week 46, Mexico exported a total of 1 million 382,000 pounds of those pounds, 1,312,900 pounds went to the North American market. Season to date, total exports are 3,452,000 pounds a total. And to the United States, we have sent 3,320,000 pounds. Compared to the last season, the volume exported to the United States is 8% higher than 2019-2020 season. Thank you. Thanks so much from our colleagues around Latin America who take the time to participate in these crop reports. We have received some great feedback from folks in our industry who feel this has been a, a big value add for understanding our business. And uh, we really appreciated the continuation of this report coming in from Chile, Peru, and Mexico. Okay, we're back here with Andres Armstrong, Executive Director of the Chilean Blueberry Committee. Andres, Chile has been a longtime counter-seasonal supplier for the U.S. market. Can you talk a little bit more about that history? When, when did Chile start shipping into the U.S. market, and how have you seen that evolve and grow over the years? Growing blueberries in Chile for the last 25 or 30 years, the beginning of the industry was just putting our blueberry bushes down here and sending the fruit to the U.S. That, that was the beginning. That was the market where the market was. So it was the easiest way to begin. Start growing blueberries here and uh, supplying those uh, in counter season to the U.S. market, which was the, it is the biggest, the biggest market in the world for blueberries. But when we started the committee, one of the main uh, objectives that we had was we wanted to look for new markets. We didn't want to have our fruit so much concentrated in, in one market. Ten years ago, 84% of our shipments went to the U.S. and only 13% to Europe and a tiny 3% to Asia. So one of the objectives of the committee was to really uh, look for new opportunities and, uh, and try to diversify ourselves in, in other countries. Remember that Chile is uh, not a big only a blueberry growing country, but grapes and apples and pears and a lot of fresh fruits. And uh, we sell fresh fruits from, uh, from Chile to around the, the whole world. So uh, companies here have a lot of experience in exporting to different markets. And, and that was the case with blueberries also. 
So the, the Blueberry Committee put in place a voluntary assessment. So we, we put together some money from the private sector and uh, we put that together with our public sector, which is ProChile, which is the agency that uh, supports the promotion of exports of, of many products from Chile to around the world. So we put together money to start promoting our blueberries around the world, including the U.S., we understood that during our window opportunity in the U.S., there was also a need to increase consumption during your winter. And there is still promotional programs being in place, uh, putting in place in, in the U.S., in Europe, and in Asia. But I give you, to give you a, a perspective of where we were, well, after 10 years of uh, working in promotional activities for the Chilean blueberries, our share now is 50% U.S., 32% Europe, and 11% Asia. The trend is very clear when you see uh, the last two seasons our shipments going down in the US and going up uh, very strongly in Europe and in Asia. I would like to make a, a, a specific comment on our shipments to the US. Even though the, our overall shipments, the last two seasons were down by 9% and then by 11%, if we take into account the organic then uh, we are growing. And uh, last season, 21% of our shipments to the U.S. were all organics. And uh, this is really a trend that is growing. For instance, what we were reporting minutes ago uh, from the northern part of the country, that is mainly organic and it, it, that is uh, most entirely going to, to the U.S. That is the, not the normal situation for the whole year, but... Uh, that is a specific point, at least for the beginning of the season. So maybe you can describe, just to clarify a little bit what you said, that it's been down but growing. So you've been down 9% in your shipments to the U.S. over the last couple of years, but the crop is growing. We are down in the total, but we've been growing in the organics. So if you take into account the conventional, the this where we are... Um, uh, moving fruit from, from the U.S. to other markets. But organics are growing in the U.S. market. You know, we spent some time in our uh, virtual conference and ex expo talking about genetics. So I thought, you know, we could spend a little time with you describing some of the changes that you see uh, unfolding in Chile and how things are evolving for Chile as it relates to breeding and genetics and varieties, uh, that sort of thing. The competitive situation today as to as it was five years ago, or 10 years ago, is completely different in terms of the varieties, in terms of the type of shipment that we're using. We used to have a, a portion of our shipments would be by air, which allowed growers to, to use some varieties that wouldn't have a, a, such a long um, shelf life. But today, everything is going by ship. So you, you really need varieties and uh, post-harvest technologies that uh, allows you to get into the markets with the really good good fruit. And the fact that there's more competition, there's more fruit coming in from different countries, and uh, most of which are using uh, new varieties, that has made the Chilean grower to renew. There's a lot of variety renewal if, you, if, if they want to keep in the market, if they want to go to markets are longer far away from Chile as, as China or, or Korea or Taiwan or even Europe. In terms of time, those markets are much far away 
compared to the US. So if you want to develop new markets, if you want to be competitive in the market situation today, you need to provide good quality fruit. And that begins with the, with the variety. But as I mentioned, that also needs um, post-harvest technologies that have evolved in time and allows us to get into the market in good quality. So this is something that we've been working so hard with our growers from the orchards to the packing houses and, um, and before the orchards, uh, talking about varieties. Uh, it was a long time that there was not a lot of um, talking about varieties. It was only talking about volumes and shipments and all that. Uh, today, you really need to focus on, on quality if you want to be competitive in the market. Well, and it's interesting too, uh, you know, one of the things I've shared with you and we're, we're talking about at USHBC is essentially the three-year production averages or, or the numbers that we see come in the United States, you know, based on the increase of imports over time and certainly the growth of the production domestically, and it certainly is growing. But when you look at the, that three-year production trend or the importing trend from Chile, you know, at 169 million pounds over the last three years and Peru there at 92, but then, you know, we're hearing today that Luis is reporting 193 million pounds for this season. How has that competition impacted your industry, your growers in Chile? And maybe you can talk a little bit about you know, how, how that has shaped what you're putting in the ground or the transition to different varieties and, and different market strategies. I would say that that's the main competitive situation that is... Uh, is making our growers uh, change the way they think about the, the blueberry market and they really understand that there are new standards. I would only, not only speak about what is happening in Peru, but you, you can put Mexico into that, you can put Morocco, uh, you can put South Africa, uh, you can go to China and even find blueberries being grown in China during the whole year. So that is really changing the competitive environment. We used to have our windows uh, for Chile. So we were competing among uh, Chilean blueberry growers, so Chilean blueberry exporters. And now we're facing uh, fruit coming from other countries, increasingly coming from other countries. And uh, at a time when they began 10 years after us, uh, so they started with new varieties. Some of them are closer to the destination market. So we need to adapt to that. And at some point or, or at some big point, that's something that is also happening to the U.S. growers that uh, had a market with uh, no competition. And some, in some weeks, because we're not talking about the whole year, but some weeks of the year, I think that they probably need to adapt as we're doing down in Chile. We do that or we are out of the business. Simple as that. And most of the big companies in Chile are reacting to that in, in a positive ways in terms of uh, renewing and investing in new technologies and still uh, doing what we need to do to be a big player uh, in this industry as we have been the last 10 years. Okay, well, let's take a quick break for our Marketing Boost segment. We'll be back with Andres in a moment. But for now, here's USHBC and NABC Vice President of Marketing and Communications, Jennifer Sparks. Thanks so much, Casey. I have great news. Recently, the Today Show featured an article on its website at today.com discussing the trends of frozen foods coming to the rescue during what they dubbed COVID cooking fatigue. We can all relate, right? In that piece, reaching an audience of 27 million, blueberries were heralded as one of the unsung kitchen heroes of the pandemic. 
This is a great example of earned media for which USHBC and our team of public relations experts works to establish relationships with reporters and key media outlets to bring the health benefits and innovative uses of blueberries into the context of everyday news. This earned media through TV stories, news articles, or online highlights holds great credibility with consumers because the news is coming from reporters or other third-party experts carrying the important blueberry message. Here at USHBC, we make it easy for you to find this great coverage because we feature direct links to this news weekly in our Behind the Blue e-newsletter. That's a section you don't want to miss. You can share these links on your social media or in your electronic communications, and you've expanded the benefits message to your customers. It's that easy. This has been your Marketing Boost. Thank you for your partnership, as together we inspire the world to experience the amazing benefits of blueberries. And now, back to you, Casey. With us once again is Andres uh, Armstrong. I know when we get together each week to do the crap report, I certainly have appreciated the banter between you and Luis and the uh, the ribbing of each other's uh, market opportunities and and the friendly competition that I sense that you have between the two of you in terms of you know representing your constituencies and so it's been one of those things that we get together each week and I think it was what last week we were talking about access to Thailand. Anyway, it's just. I think that, of course, part of the production from Peru, from Mexico, from all the other these countries, uh, at some point could can compete with you in some weeks. But if you see the overall picture, the fruit that they are providing in the mid-season, whether it's uh, before Chile and after the U.S. and uh, after Chile on the other side of the of the year. I think this is all a good thing for the blueberry industry. I mean, if we think about the consumer, if you think about cons- consumption and increased consumption, I, I think this new uh, supply that is going into the market, and uh, it's not only the US, you, you need to see what is happening in Europe and when, what is happening in Asia. This is happening everywhere. This will help increase consumption of blueberries, definitely. When we're in a situation where the volumes on a weekly basis are more stable, and the pack size and the prices are more stable in the face of the consumer, that is when you really have a 365 that days uh, supply that help increase consumption. So this is what is really happening now. We talked about 365 in the past, but okay, this is real 365 with decent volumes during the whole, the whole year. Yeah, it's a good point because I think that's what we were hearing essentially from a Todd Egan at Costco that that's what they're looking for is that steady supply, access to their members, customers, consumers in order to keep pushing it in front of them week after week after week and expect to see the response that obviously somebody like Todd is striving for as a major retailer in providing for his members, his customers. So absolutely, great point. Let's talk a little bit about marketing and driving demand towards consumers and the work that your organization does, obviously the work that we do at USHBC and your role as a committee member for the promotion committee. And maybe you can talk a little bit about the history of promoting blueberries from your perspective and where we're going today, but just why it's so important that we continue this effort of driving consumer demand and consumption towards blueberries. Well, to begin with, I would like to like pay tribute to what the USHBC has done uh, in terms of the health research. 
I think that that has played uh, an in incredible important role in increasing consumption, not only in the U.S., but all around the world. And somehow we are taking advantage of the work that is being done there all around the world. And our strategy in the beginning was as simple as saying, look, there's blueberries being grown in Germany or in Poland during their season, but they do not have blueberries during their winter. So in those markets where we knew there was consumption of domestic production, we focused on that market. They already knew blueberries. They just needed to know that there was supply during their winter in very good quality and increasing quantities. So that was our first approach of focusing countries like Germany, the UK, the Netherlands, Sweden and, and Denmark and all the, the countries on, uh, in the northern part of Europe. And then we, we started working with other countries that they didn't know a lot of, about blueberries like France. They understood blueberries like fruit of the bois, which is a little bit different. But when they understood that now France is becoming a much bigger and bigger market, the same is happening in Italy. And just to mention Spain, that is the biggest blueberry grower uh, in Europe at the moment, and they're increasing their own consumption. So this was our approach of uh, tackling, I mean, countries that already knew blueberries, that they just needed to know that they were available during their winter. A little bit different story about Asia. Blueberries are not, as, they were not known a lot at the time when we were begin, and especially China where they have a, a, an increase in local production and is our biggest market in Europe. But the same happened with South Korea. Japan is a very stable market, not growing a lot, but uh, we have been doing uh, promotional activities there, Taiwan, etc. There's a lot of opportunities there and uh, you need to raise your voice. And it's not as difficult because the awareness of the health benefits of blueberries is something that a lot of people know. So bringing that story up there, I don't think is as difficult as uh, we could think. And uh, I also appreciate the work that the USABC is doing in promoting blueberries worldwide besides the US, together with Chile. I feel a little bit alone in that. <laughs> I wish the other countries that are uh, increasing their production would help us a little bit in that, in that work. So they probably would do in the coming future. Well, and I think we can continue to collaborate on that. I know with Alicia's role and just certainly, you know, some good news this last week of our increased, you know, USDA MAP funds, the market access program dollars that we're going to get are going to continue to help drive our footprint in the other parts of the world that are good for everybody. And, you know, working with you on the promotion committee, we certainly have both the balance of our export activity, moving that needle out there, but also the domestic campaign work. And, and one of those things that we've transitioned to going into the 2021 year is this campaign focused on the Boost of Blue. And really, I should make sure I make a specific point to call it the Grab a Boost of Blue. So it's a call to action. And I think it deals with a particular point of importance to our growers. And you mentioned it, which is this health component to blueberries, which in light of circumstances today and the global pandemic, that is increasingly important to consumers. So USHBC developing this new it's more than a campaign, really. It's an evergreen approach to telling people to grab a boost of blue. There's something healthy about this. There's something simple about it. So maybe you can talk a little bit about you know, the work we've done as a committee you know, from your vantage point at Chile on how this helps drive the market. Well, absolutely. The promotion committee and the work that the USABC is putting, uh, has been putting in place in the market has been I mean, 
incredibly important to continue raising the bar in terms of consumption. I mean, it's not only Chile, not only Peru that has been growing uh, more blueberries around the world. It's all, also the U.S. growers. So there's been a need to handle this blue wave <laughs> and creating new opportunities for all that fruit that is going out of the, of the orchards. And the work that the USHBC have done with the agencies, the creatives and, uh, and all that, that's if you compare it to other commodities that don't have a program like this, uh, and there are some examples of those uh, um, are not growing as much, don't have as much as opportunities. You can have another good example of that, which would be avocados. They have uh, promotional programs in place, and it's a very nice case of increasing consumption, not only in the U.S., but worldwide. That's very interesting. So I uh, I definitely think that the program uh, being put in place by the USABC is being very fundamental in this process. And the changes that we are evolving to new ways to promote the fact that we are starting a program at the retail level uh, is also something that will help a lot of our industry. Well, I'm excited about this future. I, I certainly have appreciated your leadership and you know your insights and certainly you know your help for me to get to understand the Chilean side of the business and, and what's happening there. So I want to thank you for your continued leadership and support, certainly on the promotion committee and you know just helping us evolve this program so that it can be more effective and more impactful in the long run. So we'll continue to work together on this. I appreciate you coming on the podcast today. And we'll just have to look at this as an annual tradition of spending some time with Andres talking about what's happening in Chile. So thank you, Andres. Thank you very much for the invitation. I must tell you, I felt most welcome every time that I've been uh, in these USHBC meetings. I have good friends over there. And uh, I think it's very positive that uh, we work together uh, on behalf of uh, the blueberry industry as a whole. And um, as join forces uh, is what we need to do to make this industry a better one. And welcoming our friends from Peru and from Mexico, everybody has something to give to our industry. So thank you very much for that and uh, for having me here today. Well, I find it always interesting to be able to spend some time with Andres and, and learning a little bit more about what's happening in Chile and the growing regions there. Always something there for me to learn. Uh, this is something great about this podcast, I believe, is that you know it's not just uh, something that I'm hearing. Podcast allows for a level of communication for this industry that we just haven't had before. I think we talked about that today. But some of my key takeaways from our conversation with Andres, like I said, I always have something that he shares with me that I hadn't really thought about. But I would say a theme through today's discussion is just how important that collaboration has been to the industry over time. And, and he put a, a fine point on how important it is that the stability of the market continues to grow over time and that it's not just about the 365 days a year of supply. It's being able to supply that in a stable way for customers like we talked about with uh, Todd Egan and others, Costco, Kroger, Safeway, Albertsons, all these folks who want to be able to supply their customer and their their members, their the consumer with something that they can access throughout the year. That really is what has driven the category and continues to be an important piece of discussion for how do we continue to meet those expectations of our customers. So I really appreciate the insights that he shared on that as well. And, and ultimately, I really appreciated what dot he connected with his history with the USHBC and just 
take away everything else, what you heard him say was just how important it was for him to be able to come to a table where he learned from other experts about this business that he was new to. And the reason I point that out is that I relate to that. And I think we all do that. It's this network of people coming together about this industry that really helps us grow this category together. We learn a lot from each other. And certainly the USHBC, its committees, the boardroom, the meetings we have. That's why it was so important that even when we couldn't get together, we still get together because it's that collaboration that really helps us understand this business and what we need to do next in order to be successful. So I really resonated with that part as well. So great to have Andres on. I always appreciate him being able to be of, uh, available for things like this. He's always looking for other ways to support USHBC and, and I really appreciate that. Well, that's it for episode 22. If you found this episode insightful. We'd really appreciate that you share this uh, podcast with others in our industry. Let them know that this is a great resource for them to learn more about what we do. The best way you can show support for this show is is really by helping us spread the word about this uh, podcast. So please uh, take a moment to share this episode with someone you know. Again, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family, and hard work right here on the Business of Blueberries.